CR101radio.com, podcasts, and more. School Pioneers. I am your host, Jeremy Walker. You can follow us on our parent network, CR101 Radio, on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, Gab, YouTube. And you can, of course, subscribe to this podcast on the preferred platform so you never miss an episode. Visit cr101radio.com forward slash preschool pioneers for these links. Okay, welcome back, guys. So let's go ahead and get started on this episode. It is entitled, W is for Words. How words are used as weapons to intimidate, silence, and harm others, and what we can do about it. So let's start by asking the question, why Christians should become teachers? Well, going along with this episode, words are very important. Words can be used to intimidate, specifically used to try to silence, and of course, harm others. Not only is this done to children, both in schools, in families, or in communities, and especially in the political field, but they're also taught how to do it. They're taught how to utilize weapons, to weaponize them, to intimidate others, to silence them so that There is no such thing as free speech, and specifically, how to use words to harm other people. And this is one of the main reasons, or a big reason, why Christians should become teachers. Because words have meaning. Words are important. They're very important. A couple things about words that I would like to start with. First of all, words have meaning and purpose that describe reality, and truth. Growing up as a child, we had the dictionary. And the dictionary, of course, it had all the definitions of words. And so you could look up a word in the dictionary if you wanted to use a different word. You could use a thesaurus as well to find synonyms or antonyms. But words have meaning. Words have purpose. Whenever you have people who attack words on purpose to change their meanings. And this has been progressively happening just in my lifetime. I mean, I used to hear about people who talked about it. They'd talk about what happened in the Soviet Union. If you read the book 1984, they would have a new thing called doublespeak, where words didn't really mean what they said. These kinds of things, word manipulation, is a tale as old as time. From the beginning of time, he's been self-justifying himself typically with words. Even if you go back to the garden, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, we had Satan asking the question, hath God said, calling into question the words that God used and the meaning behind it. When God said, you shall surely die, Satan threw out there, you shall not surely die, but you'll become as gods, being able to determine for yourself, knowing for yourself, good and evil. This right here, the idea and concept of not just knowing words, but reinterpreting, giving new meanings 
This is an attempt at being God. An attempt at hiding the truth and coming up with a new truth, a reestablishment of truth as, as you see it. And this is something that has been going on as long as man has been alive. Because the second point I want to make about it, not just words having meaning and purpose, but word manipulation is utilized in order to reprise words, to change them, new descriptions to reality, and of course new meaning, which is what I just went through. See, words must mean something. But people take those words and they purposefully change them to confuse and to weaponize. And that's number three. Word weaponization is utilized in order to harm or silence others or to cast their persons and positions into a negative or even a malicious light. So let's just go ahead and jump into it as far as some of the words. What kind of words are children in schools, uh, in the political world, social media? What kind of words are we hearing now that are being weaponized? What kind of words are are being used now? Uh, New descriptions, uh, changing of meaning. What words are used to silence? What words are used to harm? What words are used to make you look like the bad guy? So let's go into a few. I'm going to run through the list. I will not describe or talk about all of these. We will touch on some of them, but not all of them. But the point is that Christians, speech is important. God gave mankind the ability to speak. The only creature that has the ability to speak and reason like we do. There is no other creature like ourselves. And so we have a responsibility to preserve and utilize speech the way it should be and is intended to do. Now, Christians have no problem with that. We like to have a good dictionary with good definitions and have proper, concise wording. So when you speak, you're very clear and people can understand you. I mean, that is the idea of education. I mean, us as Christian teachers or parents, our jobs is to transmit truth. And you can't do that without words. Now, the only person that wants us not to have proper communication and proper speech are those who are subversives. So let's go ahead. Let's run through some of these, and I will definitely touch on them. One of the new ones I love is the word misinformation. Misinformation was one that really didn't take the stage until we had the whole COVID crisis for two years or faux crisis, as I like to call it. But misinformation, people were supposedly sharing uh, content that was just not true about the uh, viruses, diseases, uh, healing, medicines, and all kinds of things. And so they were going around and trying to label things as misinformation. And their jobs, the social media gatekeepers, their job was to try to find out if you were utilizing misinformation and then censor you. Now, It didn't matter if it was true or not, because this new word allowed people to just label anything you said, anything you didn't like, as misinformation. It could be the complete truth, but they could label it as misinformation, and you could be censored. For over two years, now we're in about three years now or more, many, if not almost all, of the things that were labeled as misinformation during that whole era have come out to all be true. All of it. All completely true. But this one word, used to belittle and definitely silence and censor the information that was true and label it as misinformation. 
it's still something that they've been banging the drum on for a long time. I don't think this word's going to weigh anytime soon. All it really stands for is this. People that hate the truth take the word misinformation, label it onto anything that they want, and now all of a sudden, oh, we've cast doubt on you. You're a liar. You're casting misinformation. They don't have to prove it. They don't have to make you prove it. You can sit down with all the stats, and all they have to do is take out this one word, misinformation, and all of a sudden, you're done. Another one is hate speech, that terminology, hate speech. This one's been out for a very long time. And, of course, its meaning has changed over time, big time changed. Hate speech now is anything that makes a person feel uncomfortable. Simple as that. Anything that makes a person uncomfortable. So if they don't like what you're saying, it is hate speech. Hate speech. So all all the person has to do is say, I don't like what you're saying. I consider this to be hate speech. And no matter the truth behind it, no matter the meanings behind it, no matter if it's even real, hateful content of any sort, they can label it that and censor a person. They've even gone to the legal side that if you commit acts of hate speech, you can be arrested in certain parts of the world. But what is hate speech? Anything that a person doesn't like. Doesn't like. And that for Christians is a big problem because man hates the truth. He doesn't want to come to the light. He prefers the darkness because the light sheds the truth on what he is, who he is, and what he's all about. And he likes to sit in his little self-righteous little area, his little corner, his safe place where he thinks he is God when he's not. So hate speech is anything that the Christian says. Basically, another word is bullying. That's a new term that came up in the last five to ten years. Bullying, of course, used to mean something where a person was deliberately attacking somebody else, deliberately going after this person on a consistent daily basis without cause, just picking on somebody for no reason and just going after and going after and going after this person. Now, if children, we have this in our school all the time, if there is a child who says something that another child doesn't like, once again, Then the parent will come to you and say, well, my child was being bullied. And then you say, well, what exactly were they doing? And then once you find out what exactly they were doing, you're like, well, I understand that the other child was being foolish and childish and was saying things that was inappropriate. But this is not some kind of a consistent, deliberate tactic that this child is using to come after your kid. Uh, Needs to be dealt with, certainly, and can be, but not bullying So now, anytime somebody says something that you don't like, you are now being bullied, or they are being a bully. The word love has absolutely been hijacked. What used to be love, meaning in the biblical sense, is the keeping of the commandments of God towards others, to love your neighbor as yourself. The biblical definition of love gives teeth and definition to the word love. How can I say if a person loves me? Well, do they keep the commandments towards me or not? If they don't keep the commandments of God towards me, they don't love me, they hate me. And so that means that 99.99% of the things that people are calling love in this world is actually hate. Love is not love. Love is defined by the keeping of God's commandments towards other people. Our love towards God is also defined not as emotions, but is defined as the keeping of His commandments and finding that not grievous. 
See, God loves words to have definitions. That's where truth is found. Children need to be taught that words have meaning. They can't be reinterpreted anytime you just feel like it because you want to play God. The terms man and woman, family and marriage, these terms have been super destroyed just of late, which I won't get into too much anymore. But if you're paying attention at all to the world today, the word man and the word woman are almost broken now, at least for the people that are out there who think that a man and a woman is just anything that they want it to be or they can't even define it. It's absolutely insane. A simple definition for man and woman is when God created man, he created the male and female. Created he them. A man is the male form of a human. And the female is the woman. She is the female version of the man. That's it. They are defined by God. But here's the thing. Here's the rub. And this is what children and us as Christian teachers and Christian parents need to make sure we really get in there and teach this to our kids personally or our students is that man understands his world is mediated and defined by the creator. He is the one who gave the meaning to it. He's the one who gave us the words. He is the one who gave us the truth. So if we're going to properly understand what man, love, hate, misinformation, if any of that is, you have to first start with God. But what happens is in our schools, in our country, in our nation, Man has gotten rid of God, or at least attempted to do so. And because he's tried to do that, when he tries to get rid of God, what happens is everything falls apart. Everything is up for redefinition. So why are we complaining? Why argue with somebody when you've already given up the idea that evolution is true? You put your kids in schools where they are taught day in and day out, day in and day out. There is no God. Everything's an accident. And then you get upset that they are redefining words to have their own meanings, and you're like, well, you can't do that. These have set meanings. Why? How is that even possible in your world? In your world, your evolutionary, chaotic world, there is no truth, period. Man doesn't mean man. Man means whatever we want. So why are you upset with these people who are being consistent with what they've been taught? They are consistent with their religious beliefs about themselves and the world. Families, marriage, all of it. The concept, or another one, is discrimination, racism, white supremacy, democracy, community standards, anti-vax, people of color, transphobia, cis, non-binary, theocratic, gender-affirming care, women's reproductive health, cultural appropriation, segregation, misgendering, dead naming, pride. Censorship, minor attracted persons, nationalist, fascist, indigenous, colonialism, whitewashing, peaceful, or mostly peaceful, protest, equity, science-based conspiracy theorist, deniers, and my favorite, religious radicals. These are quite a few words that are being used right now to change what children think like. 
to change what children think like. See, there are people out there, and they were singing it in songs and chanting at New York City parades just recently. We are coming for your children. Now, I know that many people look at that and say, you're coming for our children, that's terrible. You're wrong, and they're wrong. They already have them. They have 90 plus percent of the children in the United States of America, and they have had them for over 50 years. That's why we're here today. Culture doesn't change because of the laws. The laws change with culture. It's the reverse. They captured the culture first. They did not capture it from the ballot box. They captured it in the school systems. Parents gave up their duties and responsibilities to protect their children. They are now going to be indoctrinated, which just means taught. It's not always a malicious thing. Christians want to indoctrinate or to give teaching to children as well. The only difference between the perspectives is who gets to set the standard. See, if you start from the humanistic standard, the misinformation, hate speech, bullying, love, man, woman, family, marriage, discrimination, racism, all that is based and defined by them. And therefore, Christians are evil and must be suppressed. And if you didn't know it, that's where the white supremacy comes in. That's where the colonization stuff here in America comes in. That's where all of this stuff comes in because they are not against white people. It's just that America was founded by people that were Anglo-Saxon, call them white if you want to, whatever. And it was predominantly Christian-influenced. America was established as a Christian nation. Now, that doesn't mean it was without its pox and pimples. Far from it. You're talking about people. You're talking about mankind. And Christian doesn't mean perfect. There were lots of problems. But America turned out to be and still is one of the greatest nations the world has ever seen. And it's not because, it's not because of the people's skin color. It was because of the religious faith that undergirded them and what they did and how they acted towards each other. And the people have to use the skin color because they can't come out and say we hate Christians. They can't come out and say we hate God. They can't come out and say these things. Well, at least not just yet. They're getting close. And soon they're going to be ready for it. But all these things are inundated in our school systems, inundated in our social media, and they are very much so being taught. You know, if you wanted to pay attention to it, just listen to strangers as they speak every now and then. I was in the store, and I was walking my children around the toy aisle. I used to love walking around as a child at the toy aisle. But here I was, and they were looking at different toys, and a stranger kind of walked past us, a woman, and she was older than myself, and I'm 42, and so we were of a different generation. Boys were boys and girls were girls when we were growing up. Boys didn't wear dresses and girls weren't boys. Anyways, we had very clear-cut roles for the different sexes uh, between males and females, boys and girls. But here she comes walking around, and my kids are talking about boys' to toys and girls' toys. And all of a sudden, this woman just talking to herself out loud, but loud enough so my kids could hear because she wanted to pass this along without being too much abrupt. And she says... Well, boys and girls can play with whatever they want. There are no boys' toys and there are no girls' toys. And I just kind of walked away because she wasn't talking directly at me. 
But she couldn't help herself. She had to spill out. She was trying to indoctrinate my children as she walked past them. This should tell you just how powerful these words are. This inundation of stuff is. You do need to be careful what you absorb and how much of it, or you're going to absolutely believe it. Now, we've kind of talked a little bit here about the problem, but what's the solution? Let's jump into Psalms 5, 1 through 12. And I want to give us a solution as Christian parents and as Christian teachers in particular. What is our solution to this? How do we combat this? How do we get involved? Well, Psalms 5 says this, quote, Give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all the workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. Unquote. Now this right here is the hope that we bring to our students. This right here is the hope that we will give to each other. That God is not silent. God is paying attention. He's given us a job to teach our children. And to teach the nations is what is part of our job. The main thrust of it. But we put our trust in God. No matter how far down the road we are, we can always come back. No matter how powerful they may seem, God is not going to let them abide. As Christians, we don't have to worry about winning. That is the wrong perspective. In Christ, we have already won. The victory is over. So all we have to do is our jobs. Are you a Christian parent? Then be a godly Christian parent and teach your children the standard of speech and definition, and that comes from only God. And if you are a Christian teacher, your job is to do the same, to teach them to trust in God. He is going to be our shield and our buckler in this very sinful world. But we have hope. We are going to win. Our King sits on the throne. This is our positive message. This is our hope for the world. And this is our hope for our children. I want to thank you for joining us again today. God bless.